Minnesota is home to the largest concentration of Hmong in America. For many of them, shamans play an important role as spiritual guides and healers. Jacob Alori reports on Billy Lore, a shaman who's serving a new generation of Hmong. At his family home in Wisconsin, Billy Lore demonstrates the tools and instruments he uses in rituals and ceremonies. The different pitches, the different tones. Although younger generations may be unfamiliar with their purpose, these objects hold importance in Hmong culture. These are split uh, bull horns, and it's one horn that's been split in half. And uh, these bull horns are cut and used as divination tools. One of the tools is a wooden bench, about four feet long, and represents his spirit horse. There's a belief that if you fall off the bench, you may get hurt very, uh, you may get physically ill, or you can even die. Um, and the reason for that is because when a shaman is performing ceremony, we're traveling the spirit realm on our spiritual horse. Lore is a shaman, which is part of traditional Hmong spirituality. It also involves animism, which is the belief that everything in nature has a spiritual essence, and ancestor veneration, which is the practice of showing respect and reverence towards deceased ancestors. But it is important to understand that the role of a shaman is not just limited to religion. Lore explains that the role of a shaman is more like that of a healer. Pretty much, a shaman practices holistic healing within the community, uh, whether that be spiritual, physical, um, and mental. And uh, through that, they work with ancestral shamanic uh, spirit guides um, that help them navigate and perform uh, ceremonies. However, not all ailments are treated by a shaman. Most times when someone comes to us and they're having maybe symptoms that may be physical, uh, we will most times suggest them either visit your family doctor, we'll ask, have you, have you checked up medically? And the reason we do this is because uh, we believe that spiritual illness is not that common. Mark Berkson is a religions professor at Hamlin University. According to him and other scholars, shamans often serve as a connection between the physical world and the supernatural, or the spirit realm. These specialists, these mediums, practitioners, voluntarily enter into altered states in order to engage in some kind of uh, connection with, dialogue with, sometimes combat with, uh, the spirit realm um, in order to serve their communities, largely as healers, but in other ways too. Shamans enter altered states and trances to communicate with spirits and ancestral guides, and they use this ability to perform ceremonies and rituals that can improve the health and well-being of their community. Let's say a spirit has fallen into the ground, and I need to raise the spirit up. And so why am I jumping off the bench? It symbolizes me jumping into the pit or the ground or whatever burden that the spirit is stuck in. So I'll jump in. Now take my tool, now stab it to the ground. And the body is mimicking what is happening in the spiritual. I'll raise the spirit, and once the spirit's up, I'll jump back up. These rituals can range from funerals to calling back wandering spirits. This trance may involve multiple chants. Um, it will involve hours of, of, of performing, of, of shaking, of maybe stomping their feet. So how does one become a shaman? Well, the process varies from culture to culture, but often begins with an experience known as the shaman illness. Uh, No one can choose to become a shaman on their own willingly. Um, Most shamans are chosen 
through their they're selected from these ancestral guides, and through once you are selected, you typically start getting sick, experience a lot of uh, physical illness actually, and and many times mental, and it's uncurable. Lor's illness began with pain in his hands, which prevented him from writing. He was eventually taken to a shaman who performed a ceremony on him. I particularly didn't really believe in shamanism at this time. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, and they they hit the gong and I just shook. I started shaking. Um, so my whole body was shaking profusely. And then I leapt up onto the bench and I just started jumping on and off the bench, on top of the wooden bench. And I started chanting. Probably some of the best Hmong I've ever spoken. After the ceremony, Lor's illness became better and eventually led to his life as a shaman. Like all Hmong shamans, Lor's knowledge was not entirely learned from books. According to Lor, about 90% of what shamans learn comes from connecting with shamanic guides during trances. Ancestral guides are important in Hmong spirituality and may be called upon to help in certain ceremonies. But if I'm doing a ceremony and, let's say... I'm helping someone heal because they've gone through traumas in the past. And now their spirit, uh, their personal soul, is having a hard time processing it. I may call upon a spirit guide who is good at talking. Lore offers his services to Hmong people throughout the Midwest. About 50% of his clientele is in Minnesota, like Paku Hang in Invergrove. Billy has become so important, not not only as a friend and someone who's journeying with me through my um, through my grief journey, but also as um, a teacher of shamanism, you know, and a, and a teacher of Hmong history. Although Hang has known Lore for some time, it was the recent death of her mother that made her appreciate Lore and shamanism more deeply. I feel really blessed that there's someone like Billy because he is a teacher that many young people can be much more inquisitive. And it, it's not um, a curiosity that, that hits against a wall, but it's a curiosity that's fed and that's nurtured. Hang practices both Catholicism and Hmong shamanism and says that the first generation of Hmong people who came to America are passing away and some of their knowledge has not been passed on. She is determined to uphold and interpret Hmong traditions for the next generation, especially since her mother's passing. Wasn't that our parents and grandparents didn't want to teach us about shamanism or certain types of Hmong cultures? It was that the environment was conducive to the type of of the method of learning that they grew up with. Hang explains that Lore's natural talent for teaching makes him a helpful resource for learning about Hmong traditions that may not have been passed down. She says that in her experience, shamans don't always take the time to explain their process or why a particular ritual was performed. The way that he practices um, shamanism um, is very much in a teacher mode. You know, he is much more interested in, like, what was the intention? Billy Lore acknowledges the challenges of being a shaman and has questioned whether he would choose the same path again if he had the choice. But he does not regret becoming a shaman. Just to know that the impact I'm making, whether it's for the next generation or for our predecessors, for those who have come before us and after us, be able to hold that tradition, um, I think it is such a blessing and such a privilege. And so no regrets in that. Jacob Alloy, NPR News. By the way, this story was made possible in part by the Minnesota Legacy Amendments Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Fascinating.